This is the Power Pies Podcast. My name is Sarah of Underground Crowds. We hit Bible topics, smash book studies, punch out some songs here and there, and light up his word to strengthen our souls. Thanks for listening. We're going to continue here on 2 Timothy 2. We're going to read this little part and... um, we're going to discuss a few things about uh, this idea of predestination. Um, Paul's idea um, concerning what, what categories you can be in as a believer. And let me tell you, it's a few, four to be exact, and there's not much variable. Um, and I think, you know, probably in, in our context, if we really thought about it, we would understand what he's saying here, but let me go ahead and read it. Let me pray, and then we'll get started. Lord, I pray that you would help us to... Um, Consider these uh, words that Paul wrote down for us um, and let them serve as a reminder that um, we are adopted as sons and daughters. And once you are in a family, there isn't a lot of wiggle room there. So I pray that we would be able to see, yes, the boundaries, also the freedom to be in a safe and secure place. But for some of us, we like the idea that we don't have anything holding us down. And so I pray that um, for those hard-hearted like myself, that we would understand that this is the ultimate grace to be called a son or daughter of the Most High and that there is safety in that identification and assurance. Having all been done by the grace of God through Christ Jesus, um, we ask these things in your name. Amen. So, Let me start. Verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, 2 Timothy chapter 2, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. So the chances up until Christ of someone rising from the dead were nil to none and i i don't think that's i think that's why paul said this he was in fact 100% man he's reminding timothy 100% man 100% god how we're supposed to get our minds around this We must 
if we're going to do it, embark upon tension, embark upon nuance, embark upon maybe some things being undefined. I just had a round with this one um, in my spirit. I'm the kind of person that wants to put people, friends, um, relationships, things I need to do all on a list. I mean, I, you know, I, I readily admit this. This is this category. This is that category. This is the people that can, I can maybe open up to. These are the people I definitely will not ever open up to. That's, and it's set. It's set. Well, this comes from trauma. Unresolved trauma. Whatever it is. And it's steep. Like, I cannot in my entire life not being in some form of a traumatic situation in my entire 45 years. Some kind of trauma. Now, whether or not it was self-inflicted, that's another story. But some kind of either abusive, manipulative, um, even religiously abusive, uh, some sort of crazy. And I've learned to categorize. I've learned to put things in well in advance, mind you, well in advance in certain places. And woe betide if those people try to move from those certain places. I will stay right on out of that drama. I can, another thing about people that have experienced trauma is that we can smell drama for miles and will not go near it. Because drama has never worked out for us. And people like myself, we just don't, we just don't want it. No, no part of it. And so I was having this conversation with the Lord and pretty upset about it, that he was calling me to people's drama. Well, yes, I'm, yeah. And this sounds crazy to people that are, you know, that love drama. I mean, I know people that just make stuff up to amuse themselves. I cannot imagine this sort of mentality at all, at all. It's unsettling, it's unsure, it's what? It's nuanced. It just sets me fit to be tied because it's not staying in its category. It's not staying in order. I can't keep it at a distance. I can't lock it behind a lock. And so, I mean, I'm not being completely honest, even with parenting, Keen was an eye-opener for me. My oldest was an eye-opener for me because he would just not stay in the in the box. I mean, from the time he was in kindergarten, he, great, he went to his first day of kindergarten. The next day, he got up and said, why do I have to do this? Every day, that kid asked us why he had to go to school. Oh, it's just, it's a societal norm, isn't it? I mean, do have we really sat down and said, 
and thought, why do our kids have to go to school? We don't have the answer. That's just what we do. Well, you, you need an education. Why? I mean, and this, so, so my son would not stay in the boundaries I had for him. And it was a fight. It was a fight. Until I learned, still learning, to be nuanced. To not be a part of every battle. That's part of it. Be confrontational on the things that are important to be confrontational on. But also embrace the unexpected. I think that's someone was, I'm reading a book, um, I'm kind of behind on all my book reading, but uh, I'm possible. And one of the quotes, I think, right at the beginning, oh man, it's on the tip of my tongue who the quote is from, but something to the effect of parents, that it's not very often that parents will let their kids be themselves. We're always projecting on our kid what it is that we expect from them, what it is that we want to put around them, what what we have predecided, and a lot of times how it's going to go with our kid. And it's very rare that we can be open-handed. I mean, after all, we're supposed to be in charge here. We're supposed to. We're supposed to be the ones in control until you've got Jesus who's totally outside of the proverbial box. He's 100% God. He's 100% man. And if you want to attack it with science, it won't do. If you want to attack it with head knowledge, it won't do. If you want to attack it with the military, it won't do. If you want to attack it with the textbook, it won't do. You must settle upon being open-handed about this idea that God is 100%, that Jesus was 100% God, 100% man. And be okay not knowing where that line crosses. So right out the gate, we know that when we come into this fold that we're going to talk about here, when we come into this family of God, we ain't going to have it all figured out. In fact, I'm really leery of Christians that have it all figured out. I've been throwing fireballs recently on Twitter about... This idea that we can predecide for, and I'm just going to be open because it's usually not the other way around that we can predecide for our wives what they're going to do with their lives. Because we pulled something out of somewhere in scripture and decided we were going to be king. And I really, I really, this, I don't think this is going to go as well as you thought. When that day comes and you try to tell God that, well, yeah, no, I, I really thought she shouldn't minister, that I that she needed to minister to me and my little kingdom. I don't think that's going to go as well as you're thinking it's going to go. 
with the Lord Jesus. In fact, these two these two books, which which people like to pull a couple of verses out, and we know which ones they are. In context, they they don't have the 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 sword. No, that's not the right word because God's word is a sword, but it it's not. It's more nuanced in the context that it's written than solid rock telling women to be quiet. First of all, who is the book written to? Not the broader church, to Timothy. It's written to Timothy. And Paul is admonishing Timothy and he's guiding him as to how to regain focus in this church. First of all, he tells him, don't leave, don't leave. Stay right there, be willing to suffer. And he brings this up again in this second book. And in order to create a vacuum, which is the only thing I can see coming out of there, he tells, tell, I would have the women be quiet. But we got whole doctrines based on that verse. And I'm afraid it's more about little kingdoms apart from God's kingdom that that's about. Every book Paul writes is predicated by Matthew 28. It is a given that we go out. It is given that we tell others. It is given that we baptize. That we tell of Jesus Christ hither and yon. It's given that we give our lives to Jesus Christ. Not our lives to our husbands. Not our lives to our kids. That our lives solely belong to Jesus Christ. So I just don't think it's going to go very well when you waltz up to Jesus and say, Yeah, no, I, I didn't really admonish her to use her gifts for your glory. I thought she should use her gifts for me. I don't think it's going to go very well. I mean, reread that. Reassess. And let me ask just finally, what are you afraid of? Because all I can see is that sort of theology, if you can call it that, is based upon fear. Because a godly woman doesn't neglect. She doesn't have to be reminded to take care of her kids. And when you fix your eyes upon Jesus and you love him above all else, you start to love others as yourself. It follows. And that Christ as the center is the answer for every functioning function in the mechanism that is called marriage. Christ is the center. He's the only center that there is. So he shows up 100% God, 100% man, Paul's saying. We're in verse, where are we? 
descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. Oh, what that tells us, and that we, we can just keep moving, that he doesn't care about his image. He's in prison like a criminal. As a criminal. How many of us would presuppose someone was a bad person not worth listening to if they were in jail? There's a lot to be said for how we keep a testimony around others. But there's also a lot to be said for how we bear the testimony of Christ and forgo what others think. Is it appearances or is it Christ? Because at some point, now I would say this, this is one of the essences of suffering. This is a big part of suffering, is to be misunderstood when we follow after Christ. It's a huge part of suffering. I would say that most of us, if not all of us, have gone through some form of this. When we've made a decision for Christ and other, and other people thought we were out of our minds, that we really weren't doing what Christ wanted. If, if we were following Christ, blah, 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 blah. They, and they would draw it out like a blueprint. Sometimes we suffer And, and a form of that suffering is not being understood, being misunderstood. And it's not easy. Yesterday we talked about how we can't compare suffering. They, they come and go and they hit different areas of our lives. And they're really, and we talked about yesterday how there's really no point in comparing suffering. And when and if you really let go of that comparison, co comparing, and you start to trust, what a trust it is, because you've ceased to look around you, and you really start to believe that what God has started in your life, He's going to finish, no matter what anybody else is doing or what they're up. It's another part. That's another part of suffering. Looking around and seeing the position of other people. This Psalms talks about this. And how you are in the same stuck place. I've been oh, here right now. Temptation's rife to look around and say, why, why am I still doing this? with no fruit whatsoever. And you don't think I've been ready to just walk away. Oh yeah, 
And I have these conversations. This isn't Christ denial. This is, are you sure you want me to be doing this thing? Because I'm, I, I don't have this attachment to my songs. I don't have attachment to my podcast. I don't have, no, you've got to use me this way. If the Lord was like, okay, now it's Ecuador. Bye. I'd be like, yes. Because it's hard to pour in year after year after year and look around and see nothing. Nothing coming from it. I'm not alone in this. Was it Jeremiah? I have to check on that. Ministered for years without a single convert? Tell me that wasn't hard. It's another form of suffering. To just plug away at sharing the gospel and never draw in community. Never draw in any relief. That's the thing. That what you're doing is a good work. Because we we want dividends, right? We go to the grocery store. We want to use this money and buy that. And we're very, very used to this equaling that. And so if we've been doing this for a while, okay, so it's all right. You know, I, I'm writing songs or whatever, podcast for a couple of years. Yes, okay, I don't see anything yet. This, that's, but 10, 10 years. No, I don't see any money. Nothing. I don't even see likes. I see no comments. I don't get mails. Nothing. Nothing. It's a vacuum. I see nothing. Blind. And so for me, who's used to, you know, sowing, reaping, reaping, sowing, reaping. Reap, reap. There's another part of this. And it just never happens. That's a form of suffering. Well, Paul's in jail. That's his one. As a criminal. Like a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. So my hope, and I hope your hope is too, we're never going to finish this podcast, is that what the gospel that you send out, though you may not see the dividends, you may not reap, it's coming back. God's word will yield fruit. This is a word! To not see. We're visual people. I mean, it's not that I want to pat myself on the back. It's that I was hoping for community by now. I was hoping somebody would say, 
I heard that. I got that. I received Christ. That's my biggest hope. Not so I could pat myself on the back. So that it wouldn't feel like my work was wasted. Quote, unquote. Paul's saying, I may be in jail as a criminal, like a criminal. God's word isn't in prison. That means it goes, it comes, it yields fruit, it reaps. And can I put my confidence in that? Can I do it? Or is all this have to center around me? What I, you know, what I did, what I did, what I did. That goes on forever. God's word is not imprisoned. For this reason, I endure. All things for the sake of those who are chosen. Now, the wording here is chosen. And as I read it, it means chosen. And I'm pretty sure chosen, chosen. Like it's indisputable, chosen. For those of us on the line with predestination um, and get really upset about this, I would just admonish you. I'm not trying to win you over. It says chosen. I'm not trying to make you jump to conclusions. Uh, my then he, he means to send these people to hell. No, I, I don't see her that. No, I didn't read that. I didn't read that. I said chosen. See what happens when we leave our hands open for God to do the inter interpreting and for God to speak into our lives and let the Holy Spirit work? No, it might not fit into your categories or your your, what's it, five, five things of Calvinism or whatever, I don't know. It might not fit in those. Do you have to have it all figured out? And what it says, it says chosen. So that they also may, may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus and with eternal glory. The interesting thing about this verse is that Paul binds himself to the inevitable. Inevitable. Let me say that again. Let me try to explain this. He's saying these people are, I'm doing this. I'm going to jail. I'm suffering for people that are chosen. I am binding myself. Now, if I'm to understand chosen and I might be jumping to conclusions that these these people will inevitably come to Christ and Paul is binding he is willing to suffer and bind himself to the inevitable but he explains why in the next three verses And here's a case for, I mean, there is a, a group, uh, I hate these conversations. Anyway, uh, there's a group out there, why do we need to witness? It's basically from the pits of hell. 
Um, if everybody is going to be chosen, we don't need, you know, that is just straight from hell, that theology. Paul is your example. Calvinists love Paul. Paul is your example. And the extreme Calvinists love Paul. He's willing to suffer like a criminal binding himself to the inevitable. I.e. for the sake of those that are chosen that they may come. Why? Why? Let's read. It is a trustworthy, verse 11, statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. You guys might want to write these down, maybe highlight these verses in your Bible. But there are these are the four categories you can fall in as a Christian. And one is martyr. For if we die, and Paul's like, sign me up. Sign me up for this. Paul's not doing, doing this because he thinks he can save people, my friend. He cannot save one person. Not one person. My, my friend, if you think you're going around saving people, please stop. He is not doing this because he thinks he has the best way of getting the gospel across. Nope. If you think you're that person that can just be an oratory a genius and present the gospel in such a way that people will get saved, get off that train too. That is not why. He binds himself to this kingdom that Christians belong to and those that die with him will live with him. He's aimed at something else. If we endure, so we have people that are martyrs. And I wasn't, I'm not sure if you're aware there are people that die because they are Christians. Nigeria is an example die because they profess the name of Christ. They're going to live with them. If we endure, here's another category, those that are willing to suffer. He's in the endurance category. He's then going to be in the martyr category if we know anything about Paul. He's enduring right now. He's in the enduring category. This is what I want to be, and I keep falling out of, the enduring category. Category. Willing to endure. Willing to suffer. What does it say about them? If we endure, we will also reign with him. Let's keep reading. If we deny him, he will also deny us. We could be in that category that never came. And we see it all around us. People denying Christ who were once supposedly in the faith. Now, when that, if that happened, did that happen? Will that, I, you know, what it says here 
is that there's four categories to be in. And if you deny him, he will deny you. Oh, Lord. If you're his, another scripture, my friend. How many times I've denied him in my head? Don't let the peace of God, which passes understanding, guide your hearts in Christ Jesus. I don't just want to speak that over you. There's also another passage of scripture that once you are in his hand, you cannot be taken out. Not even by you. So what we're talking about is people who never actually came. And lastly, if we are faithless, and this is the category most people would be in. They do not walk by faith. They've wrapped religion. We've had this discussion through Timothy. We've, they've wrapped religion around their autonomy. They are faithless. They would not know what to do if their bank accounts were not full. In fact, the only thing they live for is keeping that bank account full and keeping the kids occupied. And the idea that they would put it all on the line for the sake of Christ baffles them. This is faithlessness. This is operating with that old fleshly M.O. We keep falling into relationships we should not be in. We keep harboring thoughts about our self-interests. We keep making plans that aren't that don't have anything to do with kingdom centeredness. Faithless. Faithless. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Have you found that to be true? I know that's true. This is true. I've found it to be true. Of course it's true. Because it says so. Not because Sarah says so. It says so. When I was faithless, he was faithful. Absolutely shipwrecked in faithlessness. Absolutely, Peter, ten times over. Faithless. Faithless. He's faithful. Faithful to call me out of it. Faithful to keep finishing what he started. Faithful. Faithful. For he cannot deny himself. So the difference between if we deny him, if we are faithless, is faith. And so if we've had that experience of faith and we've asked Christ to forgive us for our sin, that is faith. Even if you've started walking away doing your own thing, that was faith and God is faithful.
to not deny Christ is not based in faith. Of course not. But to deny Christ is based, can come from only a heart that was never awakened. Or someone that assumed they were in the faith because of familial connection, because of a feeling of religion. But they've never actually gazed on the face of Christ. They've never actually accepted this relationship. They've never even thought of it as a relationship. They thought of it as something good to do, perhaps. Something to be a part of. I'm sorry, Christianity isn't a club. I know we get some mixed messages of these huge churches, but it's not a club. It's a relationship with Christ. It's not, well, it is a party, but not in that sense. Not in a, well, I, I was there, so I was there. I mean, if, if I was there, so I was there, were a thing, it would be Judas. I'm in because I, I was sitting at the table, right? I'm in because I, I went to church a couple times, right? I'm in because I went to that camp once, right? I'm in because I knew some people that were Christian, right? I'm in because my parent, my mom, right? I mean, if that were a thing, Judas would be with us in heaven, but he's not. Because he went to the party, but didn't accept the relationship. He was at the thing, he was at the club, got the club membership, did not know who Christ was or what he came for. And did not accept remission of his own sins did not bow the knee to the one and only King Christ Jesus. Peace out. Again, thanks for listening. Catch the next part of this series, usually Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. You can also find Underground Crowds on Twitter, Patreon, Bandcamp, or undergroundcrowds.com.